0: Hi, this is Surya Devi and welcome to A Voice for Love. I'm a world music artist and healer from Vancouver, Canada with over two decades experience serving individuals from all walks of life. We're going to be speaking with leaders and visionaries from around the world in the field of art, music, activism, health, education, spirituality, and more to talk about what it means to be a voice for love. We're going through massive changes on the planet right now, and I believe that what the world needs more than ever are people who are aligned, heart-led, and who can speak from the soul to help usher in even bigger shifts that will elevate us all into a more harmonious existence together. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Hey, this is Surya. Welcome to A Voice for Love. This is going to be a special episode with just me talking about some of the current events that are happening right now, Um, mostly COVID and vaccinations because this is a really hot topic right now and it's something that is affecting everyone everywhere. Now, we have just come up on the one year anniversary of COVID lockdowns and depending where you are in the world, things may be very similar to how they were last year, or, you know, some places have opened up a little bit more. Some places have been shut down. So where I am in Vancouver, Canada, we've been under a series of semi lockdowns for a number of months now on and off. And the last few months, um, very like straight through and that means things like um you know people aren't supposed to be in other people's homes and we're not allowed to gather outside they actually just said that people can gather outside now in groups of 10 um you know masks are mandatory in indoor spaces where there's public um you know public spaces these types of things um And it's very interesting because, you know, Canadians are very compliant. (laughs) Canadians are notoriously, you know, polite and we sort of go along with things, you know, whereas from what I've heard from some of my friends in the United States, especially in the South, you know, people don't necessarily obey the regulations. They don't necessarily go along with what they're told just because they're being told to, you know. But in Canada, we are generally quite obedient and we do what we're told. And, you know, in other provinces of Canada, it's been quite a bit worse uh, for quite a bit of time as well and so you know we can we can say that perhaps there's been benefits to this because the numbers have been fairly low and also still you know a lot of things just don't add up for me you know including the numbers I just posted something the other day and I just said offered without comment please please you know leave your leave your comment here and it was you know I had googled the numbers of the current numbers of you know, the coronavirus worldwide. And, you know, it was, I think, you know, a hundred million cases, 95 million recovered, and 2.5 million people have died. Now let's just let this sink in for a moment. We live on a planet of 7 billion people. 2.5 million people have died in the past year. And out of 105 million people or, or whatever it was, 95%, 95 million of these people recovered. So right there is sort of the first thing that makes me go, huh, what is going on here? You know, wh- what are we doing here? Now, it, This is it, there's no real simple answer to any of this. And so to get into this again, all I can say is that over the past year, I've been speaking to people, I've been listening to them, I've been hearing their experiences now, where I am, most of the people that I know who tested positive for COVID were either asymptomatic, meaning they had no symptoms whatsoever, and or they had very mild symptoms. Now, I have heard of other people having more severe symptoms and more lingering symptoms, but this does not seem to be an absolute effect of people who test positive it's not an absolute that everyone is going to have these lingering sy- symptoms and of course there have been people who have lost their lives and this is very tragic and this is very sad and I absolutely send my love and prayers and condolences to everyone who has lost loved ones and are these numbers really sufficient to warrant the extraordinary effects that have come as a result of this. You know, so example, for example in in BC where I live, I think we've had 1200 deaths from COVID in a year. We have 5 million people in our province. 1200 deaths. And by contrast, you know, the overdoses have been I think more than 2000 people. So at least uh, almost if not uh, double the amount of people have died from overdoses. Now, overdoses are an issue in the province and the city that I live because it's a port city and there is unfortunately a lot of drug activity here and there's been a lot of overdoses due to fentanyl even before 2020, just to give some perspective there. You know, there's also been an increase of domestic violence. There's been countless businesses that have shut down. I was walking down Main Street here the other day and I just noticed, you know, I'm, I'm often driving and I happen to be on foot and I really saw how many businesses were closed, how many spaces were now empty with for sale or for lease signs on them. And, you know, the government of Canada was very generous in that they gave businesses a lot of money, they gave individuals a lot of money, and they continue to, but, you know, the entire entertainment industry is shut down, sporting is shut down, I mean, so many things are shut down, because either people are being told that they can't do these things, even though these are not laws, from what I understand, they are regulations, but again, as I said, you know, in Canada, people are very compliant, so they're generally, you know, following the rules, And or people are completely afraid or scared to do these things. Now, this is something I want to address first because it's something I've thought about a lot. Now, it's really easy to control people when you put them into fear. Because, you know, we've all experienced being in fear to various degrees. You know, a really extreme example of being in fear is like when you have PTSD and then you have like an ongoing trauma that's like circulating itself. So... You know, fear is just a, you know, fear is a killer in and of itself. It can cause so much harm. It can cause so much damage on every level in the mind in the body and the spirit. And when people are in fear, they don't make rational decisions anymore. They make decisions based on their fears. And one of the first things I've thought a lot is that, you know, if people had more faith and or they were more in touch with their intuition naturally you would not be in as much fear because let's say that you had to go somewhere or meet with somebody you could intuitively check in and say hey is it safe for me to see this person right now do I feel like I'm going to be exposed to the you know COVID-19 virus when I see this person you know and if it feels okay then you know you can go and then also having faith I remember from the get-go um, there was this story and I don't remember if I told this here before, but I'll tell it again because it, really, it was really one of the standout moments for last year. It was like the beginning of COVID and everybody was, remember how like, it, this is what it was like here anyway, everybody was like in the grocery stores, stocking up on food, stocking up on toilet paper, kind of side-eyeing one another going like, what the heck is going on? We're all wondering like, Is the whole food system going to crash? Are we going to like have nothing? Like, what is going to happen? You know, it was this real feeling of panic in the air. And so I was in line at the drugstore and people were kind of trying to social distance. This was right at the beginning when they were like implementing all of this. And, you know, there's this line up there and everybody's just kind of like, you know, there's sort of this general atmosphere of fear in the air. And all of a sudden there's this tiny little Chinese woman standing in front of me and she just pipes up and she says, I'm not in fear. I don't have any fear. I believe in God. You know, I've almost died so many times and I'm still here. So I'm not going to be afraid because if God wants to take me, he will. I am not going to be afraid. And I kind of looked at her and I smiled and I said, me too. I said, I'm not afraid either. I believe in God and we just kind of smiled and we had our moment and you know this is very profound for me and i'm not saying that just because you believe in god or because you have faith to be foolish no we have to marry these things together you know we have to use our own wisdom our own knowing and our own understanding and then when we have faith when we have true faith we trust in what life brings us because You know, the way I see it is like when you know God, when you know the divine, you know that God has your best interest at heart. And sometimes that means going through really hard lessons, especially if you're somebody who's on the path of a healer or, you know, somebody who feels like they're on a mission and or many people find their life purpose out of great turmoil or something very tragic. You know, how many people do you know that maybe, you know, so many different, um, you know, authors and chefs or people who are lifestyle bloggers or, you know, who they came to their healthy diet because they were very sick. And then they learned about nutrition and the food healed them. And now they teach people about food. You know, there's countless examples like this. You know, this is oftentimes where our life purpose comes from. And so this kind of leads me to the next piece, which is, of course, the big topic right now, which is you know, sort of a controversial topic and and something that many people either don't want to talk about or won't talk about. And that is the topic of vaccines. It's like the V word. You can't even spell this word on social media without getting flagged. You cannot mention this word on social media without getting like a little fact check on your post saying like for more information about COVID-19 vaccines and then it will send you to a government website. Now, let's start with, okay, first of all, this term anti-vaxxers. This has been this term that's really, I mean, it's been around before, but it's really popped up in the last year. It's like, oh, anti-vaxxers, anti-vaxxers. So what is an anti-vaxxer? That's a very good question. (laughs) You know, that's a very good question because I think when people say this, what they generally mean is like somebody who's against vaccinations and that this is like a really bad thing and this is like evil and like somebody who's an anti-vaxxer is really irresponsible because they don't want to like think about other people around them and they're just selfish and they're not gonna you know they don't want to take vaccines because they don't believe in them and blah, blah 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 so right away right off the bat this term is problematic because why is it that just because somebody questions the safety of something or that's questioned something altogether that they all of a sudden become anti that It's not that there's a long road from from becoming, you know, there's a long road to get there to becoming anti something. You know, we start with questioning things, you know, we might want to research about it, learn about it. And again, coming back to intuition, feeling into it. And this also comes back to this piece about like body autonomy and freedom and having the right for each and every one of us to decide what it is that we want. So I feel like this term anti-vaxxer, wherever it came from or who was ever really pushing it, is a real direct move to try to divide people because it's really easy to just throw somebody in a category once you have a name for them, like, oh, they're an anti-vaxxer and that means that they're a bad person. And, you know, people, the, the big thing that everybody says is, I believe in science. I believe in science. I believe in science too. Science is not exclusively telling us that there is only one way to do something. And even if we look at the history of science, if we look at the history of humanity, humans have continuously done things and done experiments and had all kinds of, you know, like so many things have been wrong throughout history. You know, human beings are very righteous often. They think they know what they're doing. And then, you know, many years later or even centuries later, we're like, oops, like, oops, I was wrong. So the term anti-vaxxer is problematic because we're automatically labeling somebody as something that they're not. Now, most of the people that I know that somebody would consider an anti-vaxxer, who are people who are either, you know, against and or anywhere from being completely against because there's a spectrum here, you know, there's a spectrum like anything, you know, there's people who are, you know, legitimate anti-vaxxers, and then there's people who are just merely questioning and then most of all what there are is there are people who have either had themselves and or had their children and or a loved one close to them harmed by a vaccine. And this is something that they can directly measure as in like my child was normal until a week or the next day or whatever after receiving a vaccine, my child changed overnight. My child went from being a normally a normal functioning child to having Intense skin problems, you know, um, conditions that lead up to being diagnosed as autistic. Um, there's all sorts of different things that can that can happen. So I personally know many people myself that fall into that category. I worked for and have worked with for many years, and I'm very close with um, a very dear single mom and her autistic daughter, who is now 24, I believe. No, no, she's 26. I think. So I started working with her when she was 15. And I actually answered an ad on Craigslist because I was thinking I should, you know, get a part-time job. And I saw an ad on Craigslist that said, you know, looking for a musician uh, to spend time with my daughter. So I said, great, this is great because like I can hang out and play music. And this began the beginning of a very special relationship with these two beautiful people in my life who are very special to me, and I consider in particular uh, the daughter Elizabeth, who is not very verbal. She speaks a little bit, but not very much. I consider her one of my great teachers because she has taught me so much without saying anything. She's taught me about how to connect with people, how to relate with people, how to understand people without speaking, she expresses the most pure joy when she's happy that i've ever seen she bounces and she screams and sings and it's 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 incredible and i and i adore her and you know she's very very advanced in many ways and then in other ways she is very stunted for a 26 year old woman, you know, and her mother Christina has done an extraordinary job of working with her and has helped her learn to read and to write and um, help with speech and and so many things. She's been very dedicated to her daughter's development. And, you know, there's a lot of victories to celebrate there. And also to this day, Liz, she suffers from a number of side effects that are related to, you know, as Christina believes are related to a vaccine and vaccines that Elizabeth received as a child because she was a normal functioning child up until a certain point. And, you know, there's a lot of things that, um, parents of autistic children will tell you and will know. And yet these stories are often dismissed by not even just the, companies but the people who believe so strongly in their so-called science that they cannot even fathom or wrap their head around that this could possibly be true that you know somebody is right in front of your face telling you that hey my daughter was completely normal until she had a vaccine and for some reason they're not able to even comprehend that and that is because in the mainstream media there's a big story that they have disproven the connection between vaccines and autism. Now, you know, I wasn't there when they did these studies. I, you know, have, have never been in a vaccine lab. I am not a, a scientist, you know, I, and I am absolutely not here to criticize any scientist or criticize anyone who's, who's making these because I do believe that a lot of people involved in this are probably very good people who believe they're doing good things, who are working towards this because they genuinely want to help people. I absolutely absolutely believe that. And then I also believe that sort of above these people, there is an overarching, you know, hierarchy of people who are greedy and who want, you know, money and power and control and, you know, are profiting off of people's sicknesses. And this is, you know, not much different than any other aspect of the pharmaceutical industry. And this is very evident. So, I've actually had this happen to me. I have, you know, been having a conversation with somebody who is more so-called science-oriented, and I've told them, you know, about, you know, that I work with this girl, and her mother says she changed overnight after her vaccine, and they say, this is one time this man actually said to me, she's lying, she's lying, that's not true, she's lying. Now, just just really think about this for a second. How incredibly close-minded and discompassionate do you have to be to, to, to hear that story and to say she's lying, like, what does that really say about something, about somebody? Even if you, for whatever reason, didn't believe it or whatever your opinion was, even if you can't find a you know, some kind of compassion or understanding for that situation, that to me is very problematic. And this is what I see happening more and more and more and more, especially with the people who are into the so-called science. You know, when they say, I support so-called science. Now, why do I keep saying so-called science? Well, because if you really want to look into this, there is a lot of science that also supports that many of these vaccines are not safe. Now we have to back it up to a different conversation. You know, there's a lot of different overlapping things here. So, What I'd like to back it up to now is that, especially as we're talking about the present day COVID-19 vaccine, is that not all vaccines are created equal. These new ones that have come out for the purpose of supposedly eradicating and destroying the COVID-19 virus, they're not actually vaccines. This is mRNA. And this is a new technology, this is something different than the premise of traditional vaccinations, which is more like, you know, you put a little bit of the the very disease that you're trying to fight into into the person so it allows their immune system to be stimulated and antibodies and all this kind of stuff. Now, I totally understand this. This is basically the same premise that homeopathy works off of as well. It's like a little bit of that thing gives you an immunity or a resistance to the disease or the condition that you're trying to overcome. I totally understand this. I, I believe this is, you know, in premise, in theory, I think this is good. And then, you know, what is problematic is that the additives to these vaccines have increased over the years. You know, I think there there's over 100 ingredients in most vaccines now, whereas it used to be only several. And also the vaccine schedule has intensified completely. You know, prior to, I believe it's 1985 or 1986, there were... Um, you know, there was, I think, maybe six to nine traditional, you know, vaccines traditionally administered during childhood. And now it's something like 56. And again, this is going to vary country by country. The United States is one of the most heavily vaccinated populations in the world. Their vaccination schedule is different than everyone, than than the rest of the world. It's, It's more intense. And now another piece of like, again, this is also back to all vaccines are not created equal, depending on what country you're in, what company the vaccine is from. You know, there's all these variables that we can't actually say vaccines, like they're just this one size fits all thing, because they're not. There are many variables there. And I would say, really, wouldn't you think that anyone who's on the the side of so-called science should always account for variables? Should we not? I mean, variables are always there. And yet, it is this type of you know, conditioned thinking that to me is also very evident in these types of people that will not even allow a thought into their mind. They will not even allow into their being this idea that perhaps vaccines are not as safe as they think they are because they've been so conditioned that this is science and, you know, this is right because my doctor says so, or this is right because, you know, whoever says so. And and you know, on that topic, what we see now with this particular COVID vaccine is like we're seeing celebrities being paid to endorse this. We are seeing all over social media, people are being paid for this, by the way. This is not like they're not doing this completely voluntarily. And they're being paid big money to show them in their in their photos, like with their sleeve up, getting the jab. And, and being like, hey, look at me, it's safe. It's safe to get this vaccine. So let's just back it up here. So why did they even have to do this in the first place? Why this big effort to to all of a sudden say like, oh, wow, like this vaccine is safe. Like we have to make sure everybody knows it's safe. Why are people questioning in the first place? Are people questioning this because of some kind of propaganda or because of like, or, or is it because people are questioning this because they've had their own experiences, because they have friends who have, done, who have had these experiences because they've taken the time to look into some alternative sources of information and alternative sources of science that will tell you very different stories than what the mainstream is telling you. Now, I'm always a middle way kind of person. I'm always trying to find the middle way and everything. And the middle way that I've come to with this particular issue is, you know what, to each their own. I do not have the energy to... Try to convince people that are so stuck and fixed in their thinking that they can't even consider. And like not just on this issue, but any issue. Like if people are really that fixed, you can't budge them. They're either going to have that realization on their own when it's their time or they're not. So, you know, to each their own. If people want to take it, take it if they don't want to take it take it. Now and I also believe that with this whole theory of herd immunity which I have some questions about but I'm not going to get into them right now. But you know, I think in this theory of herd immunity it's they say that 80% have to be vaccinated. So fine. Let the other 20% who don't want to be let let them not be. You know? But but this is this is very difficult for somebody whose mind is locked into this perception that a vaccine or an inoculation is the only way to fight this. Now let's let's just apply this to COVID-19 for a second. So about a year ago, today it's like March 16th, 2021. So about a year ago, we all of a sudden heard about this virus that came out of China from Wuhan and people were dying and falling over left right and center and it was crazy and this covid-19 virus was, it came from a where did it, the, it came from a bat and the bat got into the food and you know now this virus is spreading all across China and it's going to hit you know it's going to hit Canada or America next or Europe and you know there's one case and now there's two cases and then you know of course there was an outbreak in Italy and then the United States they've had some big outbreaks which continue to happen okay so here's my number one red flag about this. The coronavirus started in China. Has anybody been to China? I have. I was chased out of Tibet by the police in China. You know, chi- my point being, China is a heavily, heavily, heavily censored nation. There's a lot of propaganda inside of China about all kinds of things from like his holy list, the Dalai Lama to like, you know, oh my gosh, you know, China is, is just something else. And, and you know, very tragically so, there is actually a Holocaust happening right now in China with a group of ethnic Muslim Muslim people called the Uyghur people. Now, a lot of the world did not know about this genocide. More and more people are starting to talk about this. But when I first found out about this, and it was because I worked with two girls uh, that were from, particular region of China so they they told us all about this and we did some we we did a little bit of work with them but it's very tricky because they're actually even afraid to speak about it because you know the the government in China will actually target people that are outside of China who who speak about this it's um you know my point being China's a bit of a fascist state so is it not a big red flag to everybody that everybody knew about this virus in China knowing China and what we know about China and like they like to keep things secret. They've got all kinds of shady stuff going on there. Why would we hear about this? Why would they let people know? Actually, they would probably try to contain it. This is my first red flag from the get-go. I was like, huh? I was like, all of this is coming out of China all of a sudden? Like, it's a big open story? You know, that was that was a bit of a red flag for me. And the thing about bats, I was like, I don't know. I'm not really buying it. But again, I don't know. The the honest truth is, do I actually know? I don't. You know, I think I have some ideas. I have some intuitions about things. Um, And at the same time, you know, I also don't, I don't know everything. And and I try to keep that mentality. I try to keep a really open mind. It's like that Taoist mentality, like I know nothing. So I, I do try to be objective about this issue and every issue. And of course, I also have my biases <laughs> as well. And But most of all, you know, I, I just have some questions about this. So then, you know, this thing about COVID happened and, you know, there was a lot of, of fear put into like, OK, COVID is like this really brutal virus and it's going to like, you know, attack the lungs and, you know, people won't survive this. Like people who are immunocompromised are not going to survive this. And, you know, and the elderly will not survive this. So we have to take these really extreme actions to protect the immunocompromised and the elderly. Fair enough. Okay. Like, I'm not here to make anyone feel unsafe. I'm not here to, um, you know. Of course, if the, if I have an opportunity to protect somebody and to help them, I will. That's what my whole life is about, you know. And yet, you know, like, were these measures actually necessary for us? You know, were were they were they actually was it actually necessary for us to take these extreme you know, measures and, and go into all these lockdowns. Now, I actually look back on this time last year with very fond memories. It was very quiet. You know, the streets were very quiet. I could drive over to my friend's house in North Van in 20 minutes. Normally, it would take sometimes like close to an hour with traffic, you know. Um, nobody was out. There's a beautiful golf course near my home. And because the golf courses were closed, we could go walk through there. Me and my son had beautiful walks and some friends, you know, walking through the beautiful golf course. It was on a forest in the greens. Like it was so fun. There, the, and, and I'm an introvert anyway. You know, I know that I seem extroverted in a lot of ways. And I am. And I'm also an introvert. I, I need lots of alone time. I like alone time. I like downtime. And so it wasn't really a bother for me to stay inside. And actually, you know, it, I was very productive. I finished, you know, I cleaned out the basement here and I set up my home studio and, you know, um, spent time with my son and my mom and it, it wasn't so bad, you know, and I really focused on just being grateful for, you know, that I had a safe home to be in and that I had food to eat. And I was very, you know, I was very content in my own sense. And I was also very heartbroken thinking about all of the people all over the world who were not as fortunate and who might not have had a safe place to go and who might not have had food to eat. And that, that, was, that was hard for me. And also, I remember having at the very same time this overwhelming feeling like me feeling bad for them isn't going to help them. I can have compassion for them, of course, but actually the best service I can do for the world right now and for humanity is to keep myself in a high vibration, is to keep myself in the heart, is to keep my thoughts positive. And that is something that I can actually do. And from there I can send out my prayers. From there I can make whatever donations I can. And I did a lot of that too. There was a there's a great COVID nineteen support group for Vancouver that popped up on Facebook. And it was so beautiful to see everybody coming together and helping one another and all of us, you know, giving everyone what they need and donating things. And it was it was really heartwarming. So I have a lot of fond memories. And also like, well, okay, what the heck is going on here? And, you know, myself and other people like me, people who are spiritual, people who are, you know, aware, we we knew something like this was coming. And, you know, I don't think I knew it was exactly this. But when this happened, I was like, Oh, here we go. <laughs> you know, here we go. Here it goes. And, you know, I've, I've been saying in the last year, I'm like, you know, if you're looking for your purpose, your purpose is right here and right now, and we're all in a collective purpose together, as I see it, and that is very much to, you know, fight for our freedom, and to ensure that human beings, most of us anyway, as most as as many of us as possible, maintain and retain our freedoms, and then I believe when we do that, it is only right to continue fighting for the freedoms of all human beings, and so to me, forcing people to get put something in their body is not freedom. And you just can't convince me that this is the only way to, 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 to fight or to um, heal this particular disease or condition. Now let's go back to these numbers already. Okay. A hundred something million, like 110 million had COVID, 95 million recovered, 2.5 million people died. So clearly the majority of people are recovering from this anyway. Now, I find it curious as well that not one government that I know of, if I'm wrong, please tell me, I would love to know where, there is not one government anywhere around the world that use this as an opportunity to educate people about other ways that you can support your health by keeping your immune system strong, for example. I mean, it's, it's just basic. I mean, I don't get sick very often because as soon as I feel myself getting sick, I know all the things to do. You know, I take echinacea. I take oil of oregano because it's antibacterial, so it will kill bacteria. I pump up on, you know, vitamin C and lots of live foods and and greens like spirulina and smoothies and juicing and all this stuff. And so that usually will prevent me from getting sick. And if I do get sick, you know, I trust that my body's own intelligence, that perhaps it's clearing something or perhaps it's healing something. And or, you know, like the Buddha taught that sickness is one of the realities of life along with you know birth death sickness suffering like these were these were the teachings of the buddha some of them of course he had many but it's very true you can't really argue with this you know we we're all born we are all going to die one day some some people say we aren't but we won't go there right now you know and we're all going to experience some type of suffering in this human body And and there is some type of sickness that comes with every human being's life. And for some people, they're fortunate and it's very mild. They might just, you know, have, you know, a few sicknesses once a year in the winter or even a few times in their life. And then there's other people whose human life and existence is completely revolves around them managing their illness or condition. And this is the case for people who have autistic children. Now, again, autism is a spectrum. You can go from, you know very you know low functioning people who low functioning individuals who perhaps are nonverbal they don't have good social skills you know really extreme cases it's very it's very sad i've i've you know i've seen this a lot it's like you know the kids that bang their heads against the wall or they have tantrums and they're screaming and all of this you know this is one extreme to you know very high functioning individuals who are on the autistic spectrum perhaps like you know, Asperger's and, um, you know, Greta Thunberg is a great example of this, you know, here she is leading a revolution around the world and she's, you know, a high functioning Asperger's, which is on the autism spectrum. Now, what I'm about to say next is my own personal belief, and I have seen some evidence of this, um, as well, but, uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tell you some of the conclusions that I came to through my own experience. Now, when I started to work with Liz, the autistic woman that I mentioned, I noticed, okay, now to back this up, I was diagnosed with ADD, attention deficit disorder, when I was 15, I think it was grade nine or 10. I don't remember. And I'll get more into this in a second. But as I worked with Elizabeth and I sat with her and I learned with her and from her and I observed her, I thought, you know, in some ways autism is is like a more extreme form of ADD you know, because I have ADD and I, and I felt very connected to Liz in so many ways. I understood her. I understood how she did things. I understood how she found ways to do things because that's what I had to do too. Because when I was diagnosed with ADD, I had a very difficult time with a lot of things. Now, when I was about 15, 14 or 15, I don't remember exactly when was when this started. And what happened is that I went from being a very good student who essentially did not have to, you know, work really hard to get good grades, I could just kind of show up and, and do well, you know, sort of, you know, very high functioning, intelligent, to all of a sudden, almost failing out of high school, because I could no longer concentrate in class whatsoever. At the time, I thought it was just I don't know. I thought, you know, I think my mom and everyone around me said it's hormones. And then, you know, I was eventually diagnosed with ADD. But I remember sitting in class and I would watch the teacher's lips move and I would hear sound coming out of their mouth, but it's like I couldn't compute it anymore. And I didn't understand. And this would happen in conversations with people. It was a little bit easier for me to pay attention to the things that I was more interested in but even when I would really try because you know like I didn't want to flunk out of school I wanted to do well and I would literally sit there I remember trying and trying and trying to to understand and to comprehend what was being said and I couldn't anymore and around this time too I lost the ability to read properly as well and now just to back this up when I was a little kid I was an avid reader I I learned to read very early and my mom is a kindergarten teacher and she's taught thousands of kids how to read and I used to wake up at like five in the morning like every morning when I was a kid and of course it drove my parents nuts so what they did was that they trained me to read in my room so that I wouldn't wake people up so every morning I would wake up and I would read like sometimes two or three books in a morning I was just like an avid reader and then cut to here I am grade 9 10 high school I can barely even read anymore. I'm looking at the pages and everything's jumping around and bouncing around. And I'm just like, what is going on? Now, this really affected a lot of things, including my self-esteem, of course, and just feeling like, like, what is going on? And, you know, there was a lot of confusion there. And, you know, of course, there's other factors there. You know, there's hormones, there's all kinds of things. But what I've come to understand and what I believe now is I believe that what happened to me when I was a teenager happened because of a vaccine injury. And sure enough, my mom has all of our vaccination records here at the house, and um, you know they are. And I, I looked back, and and sure enough, I did have another MMR and and um, uh, the tetanus booster shot then in grade nine. So why it would have affected me then, and maybe not as much before, I don't know. You know, there's a buildup, is possible. Hormones are possible. You know, there's so many factors, and I just want to cut forward to. Another reason why I came to believe that it was um, a vaccine injury or a brain injury of some sort was because about mm, 10 years after this, like our late 20s, I suppose, I was helping a friend of mine who had some very unusual health concerns, including some that she believed were brought on by vaccines. And she was very intuitive as well. And she started saying to me, you know, I think that you probably had a vaccine injury as well. And so she encouraged me to take a product, a liquid zeolite, which is something that detoxifies the brain. Zeolite is a mineral and it's wonderful. Um, Liquid zeolite is amazing. It's actually something that everyone should probably take because we are subjected to a lot of toxicity. So I took liquid zeolite for about a year, maybe more. I took um, a lot of chlorella, spirulina, live foods, raw foods, and I did a ton of infrared saunas, which detox you to the cellular level. And this improved my cognition hugely. All of a sudden, I remember crying when I could finally actually read a book normally again, because basically from that time when I was a teenager to the time I was, you know, late 20s, I, all of a sudden, like I I couldn't read. I I just sort of gave up reading because I didn't see what the point was. I didn't do a lot of things because I didn't see what the point was at this point, from this point forward during that period, because like I couldn't focus anyway. I couldn't listen. I couldn't retain information. I didn't, you know, I didn't see what the point was in me going to university. I mean, there were two reasons there. I also didn't, I didn't want to be you know, indoctrinated and my path took me elsewhere. But p- another part of me, and this was something that was an obstacle of mine for years, I was like, what is the point of me doing this if I can't actually retain what's being said? And and, and a lot of the times I genuinely wanted to retain what was being said. I, I did. Like, why would I, if I'm interested in something, my 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 character, my personality, I want to know more. You know, right now at this point, even just listening to myself talk, I'm thinking, you know, Right now I'm researching constantly and I'm researching a lot on this topic. Now let's talk about the word research because research is this is a big problem on the you know in this age of misinformation. And that is something that I'm gonna agree with people that might disagree with me on some of the other things that I'm I, I believe in, is that we're absolutely in the age of misinformation and it is very easy to misinform people on the internet. Okay. I'm not going to argue with this. I mean, there's all kinds of nonsense out there. And this is again, for me why it always comes back to, this is why we need to strengthen our intuition. This is why we need to get in tune with our inner knowing. Because when you're in tune with your inner knowing, you will know when people are trying to lie to you. You will know when you're being deceived. You will know when you're being manipulated. Even if you don't know it directly in the moment and you just learn to trust your feelings. I can't tell you how many times, you know, I trusted my feeling on something that I didn't necessarily understand. And, you know, later on, it was revealed to me that my feeling was correct without actually knowing what that was. So, you know, yeah, misinformation is everywhere. And also, that has given people, you know, these so-called science believers, a lot of sort of free passes to pass off a lot of information as misinformation so back to this idea of researching you know there's different kinds of research of course there's scientific research you know and people who are in certain fields are trained how to do this type of research because it's different than just like reading articles and reading so i absolutely agree that we have to check our sources i absolutely agree that we need to try to gather a wide variety of information from as many sources that we can well, actually, I'm saying I, I, I agree. I don't know if people agree with me or not, but this is what I believe. I believe in order to really, truly do objective research, you have to be able to look at as many different areas as you can and then kind of gather a conclusion by looking at everything. Now, the problem with this is that a lot of the data and the information around vaccines and the vaccine injuries specifically is being hidden. It's being hidden, it's being altered, and it's being dismissed. Even in regards to this particular one that is out right now. I'm not going to call it a vaccine because it's a experimental shot. I'm going to call it, okay? But like even this one right now, I've been collecting screenshots of people that have been documenting what has happened to either them or their family members after getting this shot. You know, there's also a database called VAERS, which is the vaccine adverse event recording site. I'm not saying it right, but VAERS.com. This is a public database where people share all kinds of information. Um, and one of that those pieces of information pertains to vaccine injuries. Now, if you go on this site, I've been on this site several times. What this site documents is, you know, many, 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 many thousands of injuries and even deaths from this particular shot. Now, people who believe in so-called science say, oh, this is a publicly updated database. Anybody could put a story in there. Let me ask you something. What does an everyday individual like myself, like the single mother of a special needs child, like any family anywhere in the world who is now dealing with having a special needs child that they're going to have to deal with for the rest of their life, what do they have to gain by going up against big pharma and this you know, the general public whose minds are like brick walls on this situation where you can literally, like my experience, tell somebody, oh, my friend's daughter changed overnight after a vaccination. And he can look at you and say, you're lying. Or what people have said to me when I've started to share my story, which I don't even like to share because I don't want people to think I'm doing this for me. I'm okay. I'm good. I trust in my life experience. I trust that everything that I've been through on my path is for my own growth, my own awareness, and also to help others because that is one of my roles. That is one of my purposes here is to share, you know, to be able to assist people in their healing. And I can do that better than ever now because of everything that I've been through, including this. So I I don't really want to speak for myself and about myself on this issue, although I do have my own story to share. If I could be a voice for anyone I want to be a voice for the voiceless. And in this situation, they are literally like Elizabeth. She's she's nonverbal. She can't really speak for herself other than she can write and communicate a little bit by writing. But this is a direct reality. I mean, this series is called A Voice for Love. We have to look at that there are, Elizabeth is just one. There are tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even over, maybe millions of children in this world that have been potentially Adversely affected by these vaccines. Now, I just watched a video, a movie, a documentary called Medical Racism. I highly recommend you to go watch this movie. Take one hour of your time and go watch this. It's at medicalracism.org. This documentary is focusing on the many horrendous atrocities that have been committed against black American people and also African people because of vaccines and other medical procedures. And there are several narratives of families that are being followed within, within the storyline, within the documentary of mothers who have autistic children. And again, tell this same story, just like Christina and Liz You know, my child changed overnight after a vaccination. And there's one section of the documentary that talks about how in the Somali community, in particular, people who have immigrated to America from Somalia, that uh, the woman says that there is at least, almost, almost every Somali family in their city, in their neighborhood, has at least one autistic child. Now, this comes down to, again, this, uh, this you know, genetics and this and DNA. And this is, again, a huge topic. And, you know, different human beings have different kind of DNA. And depending on our DNA, we're going to react differently to things. So, again, this goes back to the beginning piece about, like, there is no one size fits all for healing and health. And, you know, other ancient systems of medicine. They they recognize this. Ayurveda, for example, you know, in Ayurveda they have three primary what are called doshas, and doshas are like body types or health types. You know, there's pitta, vata, and kapha. You know, and these all dictate like three different types of body types, and each one of these body types, and then everybody is a combination. Everybody is one dominant, and then and or a combination of all of those things, and then depending on you know which one is dominant and or which work together, you are then prescribed different herbs, different medications, um, not medications, different herbs, different diet, uh, lifestyle practices, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, there's an example of a system of medicine that makes allowances for that. There are different types of bodies and needs. So why are we not looking at this with, with these vaccines? Why are we not very simply acknowledging that there are people like myself like Liz, like my friend who whose daughter went into a coma for three days after receiving a vaccine and almost died. There are people like us who, for whatever reason, are highly sensitive to these vaccinations. There are, you know, countless families that have these stories, you know, adults, people who are now adults and, and adults who are raising children that have had injuries, you know, there's a, there's a woman who I just started following online and she has a very tragic story and it's not the only one I've heard like this but her baby died at six months of age following her regular routine shots. Now this woman is grieving the loss of her child and one of her last posts said that she receives hate mail from people calling her a liar. Telling, telling her that she's this horrible person and she's lying. Again, what does she have to to gain from this what did what do any of us have to gain by standing up and telling our stories and talking to people i mean yes there are these compensation plans but they're not they're not like a, a walk in the park they're not like a free handout like oh I, here i had no the people who have received the the compensation packages have gone through huge trials and lawyers and years and years of having to prove all of this i mean even now there are people who are dying after receiving this vaccine. And the companies and the, and the medical community say things like, well, we can't prove it came from the vaccine. Really? Somebody goes into cardiac arrest after being completely healthy? Like 12 to 24 hours after receiving this? And it's just a coincidence? You know, like, there, there's, and this is not just one story. There's many, 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 many stories. And I'm not dismissing, again, please, This is part of the whole problem with this anti-vax thing is people think as soon as you say, as soon as you question a vaccine or say that maybe you don't support a vaccine that, you know, you're also anti-COVID and you don't believe in COVID. No, I've always believed that we should take precautions against COVID. That's why, you know, I don't mind wearing a mask as much. It's not my preference, but, you know, I got to the point of like, if it makes people feel safe, me wearing a mask, because people are so in fear right now, especially the elderly, that if me showing up without a mask is going to cause them to go into panic or distress i'm not going to do that to them i'm going to do this to be respectful for anyone and to be honest i don't even mind it anymore you know and and it's it is good practice you know i have friends who who are from africa and they tell me that they've lived through sorry you know like real pandemics you know like real serious ones like ebola and stuff like that so these are all common practices it's not a bad idea for us you know in the event of Anytime something like this does happen where there are contagious diseases on, the on, on you know, on that are, you know, going to pot- potentially cause a lot of harm. Sure. Wear a mask. Get used to that. This is fine. This doesn't have to be a, you know, it doesn't have to be, again, this either or thing. This is another thing like we're not even going to talk about masks. We're just going to talk about, you know, vaccines. So, you know, there, there's a lot to explore here. There, there's a lot. And, and, you know, we have to be willing to listen to one another. And most of all, you know, we have to be willing to listen to these stories. And then we have to see is like, why are we not being told these stories in the mainstream media? So I'm sure that like, you know, there might be people who are listening to this thing. What people have died? Like what people have been injured? Oh, yeah, they have. I've been taking screenshots of them. And, you know, I found you know, people's profiles. These are real people. These are not people lying. Like, you know, you can tell by looking at somebody's profile. And again, why would somebody say this? What does somebody have to gain, especially on a topic that's this controversial on something that causes such a divide for people? And it's just this really fixed thing like, oh, well, vaccines are good and vaccines have eradicated diseases. Sure. Maybe they have, you know, and there's another narrative and there's another perspective and there's a ton of information documenting that these are not safe. They have not been well tested. And, and again, now I'm talking about this this most recent one too, which is different from any other vaccine that has been put out before. This one is different. Now, another point that I thought about too, I'm like, hmm, okay, so let's see. COVID lockdown started a year ago and within eight months, they had come up with a vaccine. So what does this say to you? Number one, Either this was somehow planned and or known. And yes, I know that the pro-science people have a big answer for this and that they just took the, you know, the they'd already been working on coronavirus vaccines, yada, 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 yada. Yeah. Okay. That's. And, and you know what? I'm not going to argue with that. Like, of course, I'm sure they've been working on vaccines and technology for all kinds of things. And again. I don't know if I said this yet, but I'm not necessarily opposed to this idea. You know, like I would go for an IV, you know, I would get vitamin B12 or vitamin D or vitamin C or whatever put into my body via an IV, an intravenous injection. You know, I am not, I understand that putting something directly into the bloodstream can be a very quick and effective method of of healing. And what is in that that you're putting into your bloodstream? is it all natural or are there additives and chemicals and what is the effect of this thing going into your bloodstream on the rest of your body? So as I understand about this particular new, you know, experimental jab that is out there, this is different because the mRNA technology um, works in a little bit of a different way. And I can Point everyone to some videos that explain this a little bit better because I'm going to be honest in case you haven't noticed, my strong point is not necessarily um, sharing facts. Uh, So that's why I try to sort of stay away from facts and instead I talk about experiences. And now this is where people will jump in and go, Well, facts, facts, facts. I have facts, I have facts. People who believe so strongly in this only medical mainstream and they're not willing to listen to another perspective and they debunk everything that you say when you start talking about. A different perspective around this their minds are very fixed and very conditioned in this so it, it can be very very hard to get through and they come at you with a lot of facts 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 so much to the point that you know this example i've brought up several times now they cannot even comprehend or understand when somebody shares the story something like my child changed overnight after a vaccine and now they are special needs so the way I look at it like a normal healthy emotional person's reaction to that would be a compassionate one it would be one from the heart one would say you know I really feel for you like I'm gosh I can't imagine that happened and wow even though maybe I don't understand this or I don't understand how this could happen I believe you because I believe your story like why would somebody make this up you know there's one story in medical racism about for Whatever reason, a woman brought in her twins to be vaccinated. And something happened. The one child, the daughter fell out of the stroller while the boy was there. And the nurse gave the boy, I I, I don't know why, you know, I don't know whether it was intentional or just a mistake. The nurse gave that boy two doses of the MMR vaccine and that boy immediately uh, became autistic. And, And I believe if I remember correctly, that particular story, again, the mother had shared that, um, She had noticed that with each vaccine that he had gotten, uh, he was already starting to sort of show some signs that he was, you know, maybe not, not, not doing well, spacing out some of the precursors to autism. And when the mother saw what the nurse had done and she asked her, what did you do? And the nurse said, oh, I didn't do anything. And she said, well, where did the second needle go? And long story short, the mother just took both of her kids and marched them out of that office and did not vaccinate her daughter that day. Now her son is autistic to this day. You know, she was doing some very simple reading with him and saying, if you want to know what this, what this is, like it's a brain damage. It's the same with, you know, my dear Elizabeth that I'm talking about. There, there is a brain damage there. And if that brain damage cannot be corrected or is not corrected soon enough, I've, I've heard some incredible stories about parents who luckily were able to find the right information and had the right resources to be able to reverse their child's autism and these stories are incredible and they're miraculous and I celebrate those people and then there's many other people who who weren't able to find that information or who haven't found that information yet so yeah, and I'm, I'm not sure if I finished that story about the boy, but the um the, the twins, but the, you know, the 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 daughter is fully normally functioning and the son is autistic. So, you know, I just don't think we can ignore these stories. We, we can't ignore these stories. I I believe we have to listen to people. We have to listen to them with compassion. We have to listen to them with awareness. And, you know, we have to be willing to sort of look at The wider perspective. And I'm sure that a lot of people really believe that they have valid reasons why it's important to vaccinate. I mean, including, my goodness, I mean, if you follow any kind of media at all, this is being talked about a lot. This is being pushed by a lot of people. This is being, you know, on both sides. And, and, you know, there's been a, a lot of censoring of people who go against the mainstream narrative. There's been people's accounts have been deleted. People are being silenced. And um, that, is, that that's very telling, too, because you got to wonder, like, OK, you could go on YouTube and, and see all kinds of gnarly stuff, you know, that we, we shouldn't be seeing, in my opinion. That's a whole other topic. But, you know, why censor this? Why such a strong push to censor this? You know, and why such a strong push to label this as misinformation when there's people dying? when there's people being harmed, when there's people who will never have a normal life again, and they will tell you, not just one person, not two people, not a dozen people, not a hundred people, not a thousand people, 10,000 people, a 100,000 people, will all tell you the same thing, that they can directly correlate their or their child's injury to a vaccination. You know, we can't ignore this. And... Even if it's only a small percentage of the population, you know, then that percentage of the population, just the same way that when COVID started, you know, we were asked to take these measures to protect a certain vulnerable group of people, we have to recognize another vulnerable group of people, which is people who are sensitive to vaccinations and these people are probably like me are just sensitive period you know I'm sensitive I've always been sensitive like things like um, chemicals paint smells like they would always give me a headache I'm quite sensitive to food energetically I'm very sensitive um, because you know I'm intuitive I'm an empath that's what I do and I work with a lot of people like me and I have a lot of friends who are like me and I can almost always point out those types of people like me Because and I know that usually they have a, you know, and and we can be very strong and very healthy and also be sensitive. And I just believe in the human immune system. I mean, I believe that our immune our bodies are incredible. I believe in the immune system. I believe in in nature's medicine and medicine from the earth. You know, there's plants and there's herbs and there's food and there's, you know, so many incredible natural ways. to to heal and I'm going to be having some more guests on in in upcoming episodes who have some extraordinary stories of healing from you know so-called incurable diseases and they did so with food using food as medicine and and all natural supplements and there's some incredible stories now does that mean the mainstream medical way is totally wrong and bad and no absolutely not there's a place for all of it And we we, we can't be so on one side or the other. You know, Western medicine saves lives. Some of the medications that are available, they save lives. They've helped countless people as well. And, you know, sometimes that is the best choice. And there is a way to balance those things. Again, we can't be so extreme one or the other. And we should have the freedom to choose. Again, If somebody wants to go in the mainstream route and take medication and and go that route, then let them. And if somebody wants to go the natural route and maybe work with a shaman and take herbs or work with a naturopath, let them take that route. You know, overall, I stand for freedom of health. I stand for freedom of speech. And again, like I said, I think I'm going to wrap this up now because this topic is a, I could just go on about this there's so many different angles. I mean, this is only just touching the surface on so many things, but I I believe in freedom for human beings. I I wish freedom for all human beings. And this is why I talk about the things that I do, including, you know, this is a part of being anti-racist as well. And I can even tie a parallel between these two things. It's like, it's like, you know how BIPOC people, black and indigenous people will say that, White people don't understand them. White black people are out here screaming, help, help. We're, we're getting persecuted. It's not fair. We feel unsafe when we go out. You know, We're getting shot while we're jogging, shot while we're in bed. You know, all of these stories. And white people are like, do-do-do, I don't hear you. Oh, that's too bad. Like, oh, I'm just going to go, you know, have my filet mignon over here. Do you see that it's the same thing? It is the same thing when people will not listen to those who have been, you know, victimized and harmed and will never have a normal functioning life again because of something that was that they probably partook in completely willingly, most people. Now now there's, you know, this is this whole idea of forced is a and and uh, mandatory is a whole other topic. We'll maybe get into that in a future episode. But I just wanna draw that parallel. Do you see how it's the same? Do you see how anytime we're unwilling or unable to listen to somebody in their life experience? there's a there's a problem there. We, this is why we have to learn to listen better. I don't care what science, so-called science tells you. If you can't sit and listen to somebody's story of pain and suffering and see that their entire life has been altered and not give them the benefit of the doubt that of course when it, if this had happened to your child, if this happened to your child and again, this is most of the people who are questioning the safety of vaccines are people who have had an injury, are people who have had a child who have had an injury, who have maybe, you know, watched their child almost die. Would you imagine what that would do to you? What would you do at that point? If that happened to you, you would go out and seek out every single piece of information that you could. You would try to find every solution. You would start doing the reading. You would start going down rabbit holes. And that is where many of us have found ourselves in understanding a different perspective about vaccines than what is being presented by the mainstream so I'm going to wrap this up here to be continued with some other guests as well I would love to hear your feedback on this I would love to hear your perspective no matter what side you're on I hope that you've taken something positive from this and I just want to reinforce once again that overall my wish for all of us is freedom freedom of speech freedom in our bodies the freedom to choose and I believe that that is something worth fighting for and that we may all have to rise up and fight for together. I wish you peace and I wish you many blessings and much love. Till next time.
0: You've been listening to A Voice for Love. This is Surya Devi. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this series inspires you to discover your own voice for love so you can use it to be a force for good in your life and in the world. You can find me at SuryaDeviWorld.com. I wish you great joy, good health, and the courage to speak up for what you believe in. Peace. Peace.